Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Trispatially Africa podcast. I am Benson. And I am Okoyemi. Welcome to the first episode of the year and the new season two. Thank you for an amazing 2021 and for listening, referring us to your network and giving feedback. Your support has been invaluable. It promises to be an exciting year. We are at Geospatially Africa podcast as we expand our guest list, identifying and celebrating trendsetters in the industry, as well as exploring emerging trends in the geospatial industry. We hope you will join us for the ride, as we will definitely appreciate your support. Today's episode promises to be very informative as we try to discuss some of the emerging trends and buzzwords to look out for in 2022 in the geospatial industry. Yeah, and this episode, we are going to be talking about stuff like geospatial AI, LiDAR, miniaturization of technologies or sensors, if you might like. But before we start, we would like to thank everyone who filled out the feedback form that we published on the last episode. We appreciate it and we're going to incorporate your feedback and make the podcast better. In the meantime, if you haven't filled out the form, we are going to put that link on the show notes so that you can also help us fill out the feedback form. Uh, So uh, let's dive in. So last year, saw us uh, just special people using Google Earth Engine, Blender GIS, and 3D visualization. I mean, people did a lot of projects around these, these topics and these concepts. Uh, we saw a lot of cartography as well. You know, last year was also when we had the 30 days mapping challenge. And I mean, we saw a lot of maps that, that were made and that was really, really amazing. So this, these things that people use to build these different maps were really trending. And lately, there are newer concepts that we had to look forward to in 2022 and moving forward. We're also hearing a lot of people talking about the metaverse. Yeah, and most of... Like mostly we expect that, you know, most of these trends, um, especially with Blender, GIS, 3D visualization, uh, both spatial and temporal, there's so many maps and visualizations that, you know, geospatial data is taking on. And they are usually due to all these um, emerging technologies that become very freely accessible. And, you know, with everybody talking about AI, and geospatial AI, and even the metaverse. Maybe we even look forward to having maybe some conferences in the metaverse in 2022, although that's a fast stretch. But it's something that I'm really excited about. And I feel, yes, it's coming to realization very soon. Ini, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's really uh, interesting. You know, I listened to uh, a podcast about the metaverse. I mean, people were talking about the fact that some people that are, you know, pushing the idea to sometimes not even know what the the whole thing's about. But I think it's just, you know, unfolding for us here. And I think uh, there's also just special component to uh, this, you know, this technology as well. And we're just looking forward to see how how it turns out to be. Yeah, exactly. In 2022, it turns out to be the year that metaverse really takes center stage and of course GIS and geospatial will not take a backseat to that very certainly. Uh, Absolutely not. A lot of changes in the geospatial industry is definitely driven by development and innovation in technological space itself. So in this episode 
would like to introduce our listeners to you know some of different developments in the industry and some buzzwords you know some that we're really not as familiar with but we expect an increase in their usage and adoption in 2022 and beyond and um one such uh, te- one such buzzword or technology is the miniaturization of technologies or sensors you know this concept you know the capacity to create small and often inexpensive devices and sensors with wireless connectivity is driving an explosion of the internet of things you know a lot of us probably have heard about iot but we don't really know what it is so basically internet of things refers to a system of interrelated internet connected objects that are able to collect and transfer data over a wireless network without human intervention and i know that definition just brings to mind AI and the metaverse. And basically that's what the metaverse is built on, you know, Alexa and all those, you know, uh, smart technologies that currently taking over the developed world. So miniaturized and lower cost sensors lead to an increase in what, when, where, and how much data is collected. And more importantly, the ability to optimize the sensor to the specific data collected. Yeah, so I always like to tell people that uh, G-Special is, you know, very much intertwined with technology, right? It grows as technology grows. So you see when, you know, technology grows to the point where devices or sensors are made smaller, it's hard to see um, more efficiency, you know, things being easier to carry around, right? So for example, we now have portable satellites and also the arrival of uh, LiDAR, very much you know accessible and i don't know if, if you've heard about uh, mapping backpacks they're really really you know small that they're like back, backpacks you can put on your back and then you have lidar equipment mounted on it you know it's it just a little high above the head and then it can sense you know the environment in 3d think about lidar right when you talk about lidar we're talking about aircraft or drone flying around and capturing but here we are talking about a backpack right <laughs> something you can just fix behind your back and you walk around and capture these things and i think this is really really interesting you know as technology evolves so does the you know application of of these uh, tools also and the usage is now even expanded right so you're not just trying to get a drone or an aircraft to fly you can now have portable and small equipments that can be carried around from one place to another and you know everyone loves these small devices right yeah and i think that's more but mighty when you're talking about small things that do a lot you know yeah small but mighty like when the age of uh, the mega computers of the 60s and see what we use as computers now our phone can do a lot more than what those can do yeah and you know that's the power of technology becoming smaller when it becomes smaller there's so much you can do with it and it becomes really more powerful and that's really the point really yeah, and you know that also reduces the you know the costs of logistics in data capturing. I mean, because you can literally carry your devices and use it to capture data. So this is also really really good. And you know, we're looking forward to how these things uh, keep getting smaller and smaller, and so you see how to, to better use them. So I, I think the next thing you want to talk about is uh, just special AI. Where am I using it? 
Yeah, sure. Uh, geospatial AI or geo AI, you know, normally artificial intelligence has the ability to think and learn. That's what AI is. So using intelligent algorithms, data classification and smart predictive analysis, AI has its utility in a large number of sectors. A more specific subset of AI that combines the preciseness of GIS with razor-sharp analysis and solution-based approach of AI is termed geospatial AI or simply geo-AI. And, you know, this concept is, like I said, it's really going to get buzzworthy in 2022. What with this, uh, we're talking, everybody talking about AI. And, you know, Ini, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think, you know, I keep saying that it's really, really interesting, these things. Although they're not, like, super, super new, about being able to incorporate this uh, technology, these buzzwords, you know, this concept into the geospatial space is one of the interesting things that anyone in the geospatial industry would be excited to, you know, to talk about. And I think when AI is also incorporated with geospatial, uh, and also combined with the power of GIS, you know, it produces a sharp analytics and a very easy solution-based, you know, approach to solving geographic problems, right? I mean, for example, now we're talking about big data, right? We're talking about people churning out a lot, a lot of data. And how do you analyze this data? I mean, you can see that as a human to try to process this data, but, but think about using AI, right, to, to try and train the model to understand what to look out for in this data to find patterns. And I think using this with just special data is, is mind-blowing. It's, it's amazing. And I've, I've seen uh, people don't research on this area. I think there's there's a lot of you know potential to, to look forward to this. And I think it's really, really interesting. You would see um, it being used in things like maximum likelihood classification or maybe the random forest algorithm that is used for land use land cover classification. Right, you train the samples and then it uses that to now classify all the other places that it didn't pick samples for. So it kind of like you know, knows what to make out of it. So that's that's AI in the simplest sense. And I think when you go beyond this, you see a uh, you know, bigger, bigger application of this technology. And it's really, really powerful when, like I said, when it's used with uh, GIS. So maybe can you think about any other you know, use cases? You know, I mean, when you're talking about your special and an AI yeah i totally agree with what you're saying Amy. i mean sometimes I've, I've wondered like how does google maps do it how do they update traffic information you know in real time like and and you know it's really basically ai and gis or gps and you know it's the way that they've optimized your special data by using ai you know to modify and get real-time feedback on these locations so it makes our life way more easier and that's like one of the cool things about integrating ai into everything you know some people are against integrating ai into everything but then integrating ai basically makes our lives easier and companies like google they understand that to the t and they use it to make things easier for everybody and that's what ai really is you know ai gis provides optimization for much of these things that GIS is already used for. Due to 
an abundance of available data in recent times from both orbital and in-situ remote sensing instruments to publicly collected data sets from governments and institutions with um, the UNGGIM emphasizing increased availability of national geospatial data sets. Most companies and most parastatals and institutions are trying to make as much geospatial data possible to the outside world, you know, publicly, so that, you know, this data can be used in developmental processes and activities. It's now become necessary to integrate AI into all this geospatial data to optimize its processing and to optimize decision-ready data from them. You know, it's one thing to have the data and it's another thing to be able to process it maximally. Integrating AI into GIS definitely offers this sort of efficiency, optimization of the processes of analyzing the data and extracting usable information from them. We hope to see more of GIS integration and AI integration into GIS, into geospatial data and analysis, remote sensing and all that. And also, I always say one thing that, you know, people who use and establish GIS systems must be knowledgeable in this day and age, in 2022 and beyond, must be knowledgeable in data science, machine learning, as well as their ge geography, you know, that all comes together in 2022 and beyond. That's really what we're looking forward to. Gone are the days when a GIS analyst is just a cartographer or he just visualizes maps and data. Now we have to be able to analyze optimally, analyze with speed in real time. And that's what AI does with GIS. Yeah, and I, I remember you, you talked about uh, making data publicly available, right? I mean, like that's, that's like open data. And I think I can remember that there are companies, you know, they're using AI to extract building footprints and they actually want to add these building footprints to OpenStreetMap because they are, you know, one way or the other, you know, benefiting from uh, OpenStreetMap data. So they're using, you know, this AI technology to extract building footprint from high resolution imagery and now add this data back to um, OpenStreetMap so that, you know, people can use it and the companies as well can also use them. So like you said, this is just one, you know, way of using AI for good. You know that's technology for good so that's that's a great thing yeah sure yeah definitely you know and um open street maps like you said and open source data especially building footprints in areas of the world in parts of the world like ours in parts of africa where most governments are trying to optimize their geospatial processes especially in identifying building footprints and spatial distribution of buildings and, you know, with identifying buildings, you're also identifying populations, your settlements, and the peculiarities of the settlement. Yeah, true. And basically towards sustainable urbanization and planning that most governments, especially even in Nigeria here, most governments are really putting a lot of effort into optimizing their building management building footprints and uh, managing them so that they can understand what the population is like and what settlement is like that's a trend that we're, we're hoping to see more of in 2022 and I, I think it's a testament to the fact that most of these governments are already seeing the power of gis and geospatial technology and that's really commendable Ooh, wow this is this is really really interesting i mean i really want to you know to, to to be a part of this actually you know to the growth and i mean you mentioned something about you know being a conventional analyst you know we're moving forward from that and that's still really important 
don't get me wrong, but, you know, we're also moving forward to, you know, times where we have to use, you know, more of our technological skills to uh, answer geographic questions and we shouldn't be left behind. We should, you know, take on this technology and move forward with it. So about that, let's talk about LIDAR now. That one can't be missed, right? LIDAR, light detection mm-hmm. and ranging. It's a really popular remote sensing method for capturing, measuring um, distance from an object. Now, this method of, you know, object detection and, and measurement is kind of replacing uh, the conventional method of, you know, mapping, you know, capturing data. And like, like I mentioned previously, there is the mapping backpacks that are really, really uh, portable now that people can, can use to capture um point cloud data, you know, which can be uh, be converted to 3D models or DEM of, of the object. And I think this is really, really interesting. And having the skill of how to process this kind of data is also really relevant. So if this is something you're interested in, 2022 might be the time for you to start, you know, digging your, your hands into this or putting your head in and trying to learn this, you know, technologies, not so new, but they are getting... Uh, bigger and bigger and better so you might want to also jump uh, in that you know trend to to understand how and what you can use them for uh so okay off the top of your head is there any application of lidar that you have seen or you've you know read about that is being used to uh, in the special uh, industry yeah i think lidar really it's a it's a really big deal you know and apart from the geospatial industry lidar has a lot of use cases everywhere i mean in every sector and just listen a bit more and you see what one of the reasons for that that i think but also lidar plays a huge role in disaster management i for one am an advocate for disaster you know risk management we've seen cases where lidar is used to capture ground visualization data which helps to identify the solutions to areas affected by sudden disasters mm. Like we know, it uses laser to send pulses, then records the feedback from those. LIDAR is also used to capture building information. So after a disaster, imagine that certain buildings are destroyed. So analysts use LIDAR technology to identify buildings that are damaged and to what extent these buildings are damaged. This sort of research has been optimized using you know, LIDAR. Before before LIDAR, it was, you know, a whole different process. And, you know, LIDAR has offered a newer and faster method, you know, to get this done. So when it comes to accuracy, LIDAR is an ideal choice. And I think, Ini, you have an idea of, of something like this even here in Nigeria. Yeah, actually, that's true. Um, you know, where I'm working, we are actually mapping um, the states that the company is. So uh, what what you're doing is you know, have a map of the whole state as an imagery of the state, and the LIDAR is also captured for um, the whole extent. And I think it's really interesting because I'm going to uh, have to be working with this data, and I can't actually wait to you know get my hands on it and see what I can uh, do with it. And I think it's also going to be a learning process for me of how to process this data and how to you know, interpret and make make the most out of it. I can't just wait to you know, talk to my colleagues about how we can harness the power of, of this lighter data and see you know what we can we can make of it. And you know, we never know what could <laughs> come out of it. 
right? That sounds interesting. And, and the fact that we have something so advanced here in Nigeria. Yeah, absolutely. It's, in fact, I'm almost jealous, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I'm going to share the details with you, okay? Don't, don't, don't get to... Uh... Of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and fun fact, you know, fun fact, this LiDAR is also in our regular iPhone, you know. It's it's more with us on the large scale than we even know. Mm. You know, LiDAR is something that's new and exciting. And some people might just think it's just in technical work, you know, it's all in just GIS and disaster management. But it's actually with us, like, every day. Yeah. So, example... If you're an iPhone user, you know the iPhone 12 family that launched in 2020, I think. The iPhone actually has a LiDAR, you know, device for depth sensing. Mm. You know, a lot of people, my sister included, is always talking about the efficiency, you know, of the iPhone camera and its depth sensing. Only recently did I realize that that depth sensing that is very unique to the iPhone family uh, is actually supported by LiDAR. It's actually the LiDAR device in that phone. So if you look at your you know, iPhone 12 and even iPhone 13 and even the iPhone Pro that launched since 2020, you'd see a tiny spot, a black dot beside the three or two cameras. And that's actually the LiDAR device. It's the one that enables the depth sensing that, that gives an almost 3D sharp focus to just random cameras that you take with the phone. I mean, this function, even most, some professional cameras don't even have it. And the iPhone has yeah, it. So I guess true. that justifies the price of the iPhone and its popularity. And, you know, it's just innovation at another level. And so you see, LiDAR is with us even more than we know. <laughs> yeah, that, this this almost sounds like uh, you know publicity for Apple. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we are not affiliated in any way. Yeah, we're not. We're not. In fact, I don't use an iPhone. It's just while researching for this episode, I just came across that, and I felt, oh, I want most of our listeners that already don't know that. I know some of you already know. But then some, like me, I didn't even know about this. And it sounded very interesting to me because I saw like that as this very new concept, yeah. very expensive and very, uh, like, not very accessible to us in this part of the world. So imagine, imagine my excitement when I saw that iPhones even have like that. That's fun to me. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really interesting because, I mean, we're just talking about miniaturization, right, of devices. And this is a mobile device with LiDAR functionality. And I bet some of the just special folks who have known about this, because I've seen an article um, about this, I think they've started exploring, you know, how they can use this to, you know, create some 3D uh, models of stuff. And I think it's, it's, it's nice because it still goes towards, you know, you were talking about, uh, you know, making small devices that can do amazing things. And I think this, this is uh, actually really, really interesting. So thank you, Okwemi, for sharing that. I, I definitely have learned something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we were talking about uh, remote sensing uh, and stuff. Uh, I think we shouldn't miss this this one. Uh, I think a lot of folks in the geospatial industry were excited when uh, Landsat 9 was finally launched. I, I think uh, I've, I've heard it being said that it was actually launched way ahead of schedule. And I think that is really, really nice. 
it has basically the same design as the predecessor, Microsoft 8, but there are some more functionalities, there's some more enhancements, right? So I'll pay me, what are these enhancements from, from Lancer 9? Yeah, there's so much buzz about the new capabilities of Lancer 9 over Lancer 8. And in spite of the similarities, you know, in the design and features, and rightly so, Lancet 9 will transmit data with higher radiomatic resolution, which will allow for detection of more subtle changes, especially over darker areas like water or dense forests. Now, most of us that are familiar with remote sensing already know about radiomatic resolution. And then Lancet 9, although it's similar to Lancet 8, it's been said that it will have or it has a higher radiomatic resolution such that changes, subtle changes over the landscape can be measured, you know, better with Lancet 9. For comparison, Lancet 9 differentiates more than 16,000 shades of a given wavelength color, while in Lancet 7 only detects 256 shades. Imagine that. Just imagine that. Yeah, wow. Alright, cool. So, so that means there's going to be more uh, better classification results, right? And I think a lot of folks who use uh, Google Earth Engine would be also interested in this because you know it's going to help your models, you know, predict better, right? And I think I think that's really interesting. So, one other interesting thing is that the last uh, nine images, you know, sample images were released last year in November, and they were just amazing i saw a sample of them and you know it's just like a teaser like this is what to expect and i think it was really interesting so these first images were just a glimpse of how um, the images are going to look like and how we can now use them i actually did download some of them and explored you know some of the features i think it was really nice so we're going to add a link to the show notes so you can also look at them if you haven't seen them already and i think uh, they're really really good we're looking forward to you know getting them yeah we're definitely we're definitely looking forward to using more of lancet 9 satellite images and hopefully it will be made available on usgs uh earth explorer like uh lancet's all the other lancet um, data is found on and um so yeah it's really exciting i think the the sample image was of the indian ocean coast along Australia, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And obviously, you could see, like, you could see some of the subtle changes, some of the subtle um, differences that you could detect using Lancet 9 over Lancet 8 and 7. Yeah, true. So, yes, I find that it's very interesting, and we'll be seeing more of the, the use cases for this in 2022. That's, so that's definitely something to look forward to. Yeah, I agree. All right, so on the final note, all of it, all of these things you've said, all the technologies, all of the innovations affect the special industry. And we want to highlight some of the key ways they affect the industry as highlighted by the NGAC. That's the National Geospatial Advisory Committee. So one of the ways they say that this is affecting geospatial industry is true data collection and generation. Now we talked about LIDAR. All right, how you know LIDAR has evolved and has revolutionized how data is being collected. I mean, people are now moving towards, you know, using LiDAR for uh, data collection. 
so, so this basically includes collecting and processing spatial and spatial temporal data, and it introduces new data types and have a significant implication for data delivery and use. So another point that, you know, I'd like to take from the reports, you know, by the NGAC is that imagine technologies that could affect geospatial industry it would also have to do with data analytics. So basically everything we've talked about, AI and geo-AI, you know, and the report also highlights that the emerging technologies include human-guided and autonomous machine learning systems. Yeah, true, because, you know, like like we did mention previously, you know, it's a, a lot of data being collected now. So you need, uh, you know, a better way to um, analyze this data. And that brings us to the next subject, which is the infrastructure. Now, you also need a better infrastructure to now support data collection, processing, storage, and sharing. So we're talking about cloud storage, which is like the next big thing, which has been the, you know, the big thing. So we need a better infrastructure to store um, these, these data being collected because they're so huge. We are, there's an episode we had that talked about data cubes, which are also you know, a nice way of to- storing a uh, huge collection of data. And this is... Uh, the way that this new technology is, is also affecting uh, all signature special industry. Yeah, so another thing to look at is access. Yeah. You know, the relatively recent diffusion of technology and data has been facilitated by involvement in access, you know, access to all this information being wireless, being through internet use, you know, how we access geospatial data and all this big data has been online. You know, these changes affect who has access to new technologies and data and how we interact with these improved tools and how we protect sensitive information. So all these things have to be optimized and also looked better into. So we want to we want to ensure that everybody has access to the improved data sets, but also that there's security for sensitive yeah. data. Yeah. And also that the improved tools can be, you know, reached by everybody, can be accessed by everybody. Although we know that some countries are more involved with development, while some are not. But how to ensure that every country has access to it, every individual or everybody that needs this data and these tools have access to it. So that's also one part one aspect that we need to look more into even in 2022 with the advancements in data big data and ai these are concepts these are uh, other issues that we also need to pay close attention to as geospatial experts and as decision makers yeah and and finally uh, this one touches on every single individual and i think this reminds me just talking about these different ways that uh, innovations affect geospatial industry takes me back to when you're defining the concept of uh, GIS, right? You're talking about data, uh, methodology, you're talking about uh, software, hardware. And, and if you think about all these things you've listed, they, they almost cover this area. But another important aspect, you know, component of GIS is the people, all right? So this takes us to uh, this, the subject of workforce. Now, changes in technological landscape uh, requires that people know how to use these technologies, right? So that means that people have to be aware of the critical spatial thinking and technology skills that the next generation of spatial analysts will need 
you know, also this also requires that, you know, we are able to diversify our, you know, just special workforce. So that, that rests now on us as individual, just special analysts, expert researchers, and, you know, decision makers to be able to uh, adopt and train ourselves in these new technologies so that we are, you know, we're also relevant in the future that's coming and also uh, push the boundaries because we are the innovators, you know, we are the ones that are going to take these technologies and apply it into the special area and make it better. And I think, uh, you know, this is a, a call to action for every, you know, young person, every just special analyst out there, just special expert, engineer, to, you know, embrace this if you haven't. And if it's something you're really interested in, you might want to push it further to, to see how the future, you know, turns out to be. So in this case, we all uh, take part in being, uh, creating a future that we want to be a part of. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. I hope you've had as amazing a time as I have bringing this to you. If you did, remember to subscribe on any platform you get your podcast from so you get notified every time a new episode drops. Also, we'd love to hear from you. So if you have any comments, requests or suggestions, shoot us an email at gspatially at gmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter at Geospatially. We are also on LinkedIn as Geospatially Africa Podcast. So we look forward to hearing from you. Bye.